Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise God. God bless you for being in the house of the Lord and making this a priority. Sundays in an apostolic life are not optional. The house of the Lord is not optional. It's a priority, and I would go so far as to say it's a must. In the day that we live, a post-pandemic era, we need as much God as we can get to try to stay holy. And if the word holy doesn't resonate with you because that's an Old Testament term, to stay pure to stay tender and honorable before God. There's a barrage of items and avenues that bombard us every week to distract, to deter what God is doing in our lives. I've been very burdened. My preaching has shown a little bit of that and today will be no exception that church we have to stay focused vigilant what I would call a stick to for the things of God and please do not be desensitized by our culture culture does not trump this Culture does not make this extinct. Culture does not make this invalid. In fact, this trumps culture. It's the profound prophetic word of God. And the longer we live and the longer God delays his coming, the more vile and wicked the world becomes. We are destroying ourselves. You cannot get through any news clip without something catastrophic happening to innocent people. My spirit is stirred. But in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of ungodliness and unrighteousness and impurity, the church, hear me, the church must be pure. We are the light, we are the salt. We may not be able to control everything, and in some regard, maybe we can't influence everything. But I can influence my little circle of life. And whoever is in your circle, you can influence them for righteousness. So I say welcome to a beautiful Sunday morning in Southern California. We are blessed people. Amen. While you're standing, if you have your Bibles or mobile device, Taking your attention to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Three verses I'll read to you in a moment. Since I'm picking up in chapter, or rather, verse 5, let me give you the backstory of verses 1 through 4. This was after the waters parted in chapter 4 that we're in. The children of Israel had already crossed the Jordan. God told Joshua to pick 12 men and to get 12 stones from the Jordan where the priest had stood. That's the preceding four verses. And now we pick up in verse 5. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the church, or excuse me, the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, someone shout sign, sign. that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, 
What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. I want you to notice on your screen the last two words, forever. Interesting side note for you, as I studied this week, I studied this passage in 37 different translations. 29 of the translations that I studied ended in the word forever. From King James, Brother Foster, to modern language, 39 passages I read. And I was surprised at how 29 of them concluded with this last verse forever. I did the math, and I realized that that was 78% of the Bible translations ended in the same way. I thought my conclusion was that must be very important. There's a lot of English words they could have used. Eight verses did use different English words at the conclusion. But 37, 29 of 37, 78% ended with forever. I'm going to preach to you this morning on this subject matter, the lost past. The lost past. I know we pray, but let me pray for you. That you and I will connect in the spirit. And that the Lord will use the voice that he gave me to minister to his church. Those of you that are streaming online, we welcome you. It's been said, we welcome you. And I'm expecting God to speak to the body today. Mighty God in heaven, I humbly enter into the throne of God once again for your people. With the parallels of the Old Testament and the Holy of Holies, God, I ask that your spirit, your voice, your Shekinah glory, The glory cloud would rest upon this tabernacle in Old Town Temecula once again. I rebuke, I pray against any distraction, any movement in the spirit, God, any elements of darkness that would come against this, Lord, that they would be held at bay, Lord, as you do the work of the spirit of light here. I pray an anointing upon me once again, God, to preach the prophetic word to your wonderful people online and in person. Let this prayer resonate in heaven, God, and send it back to earth. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And if you receive the prayer, would you shout back to me, amen? Amen, amen. amen. God bless you for standing. You may be seated, amen. The lost past. As I studied for my father's funeral two and a half years ago, I learned that he was born and was part of what is called the greatest generation. Wikipedia describes the greatest generation, also known as the GI generation and the World War II generation, is the demographic following the lost generation and the preceding the silent generation. The generation is generally defined as people born from 1901 to 1927. They were shaped by the Great Depression and were the primary participants in World War II. Following the war, this generation birthed what was called the baby boomers and later became grandparents of Generation X and the millennials. I realized that this generation was a strong generation. I myself am a part of the baby boomer generation born in 1960. I realized that this generation had some stick I realized that this generation was searching to be validated, was searching to make a difference in this world. This generation was committed to relationships. 
This generation was committed to jobs. This generation was committed to church. This generation was committed to the word of God. And not only the word of God, but the submission to the word of God and submission to the man of God. As I think about my father... And I mentioned to my wife in a sad note yesterday that in, in one more week on Father's Day, we'll have nobody to call. It will be a rough Sunday for some of us. But as I reminisced about the good times, I reminisced about my father being a retired Marine. His last tour of duty was in Camp Pendleton. He retired out after 20 years in 1965, just down the road from where I preach. To my knowledge, my father only had three jobs his whole life. Stability and loyalty was the main staple in his days and his generation. I notice something conspicuous now as I grow older. Nowadays, it's not uncommon for people to have multiple W-2s in one year when he had three W-2s his whole life for the foster. You see, that generation was a man's generation, a man of his word, a handshake to steal the deal or commitment to which I submit to you this morning, that's a lost art. That generation, if you grew up, you understand, understood discipline. For the foster, add another layer of a leatherneck, jarhead marine on top of the discipline of the generation. I still have PTSD from the neighborhood in Vista, which I grew up in. I was smarting off to my friend's mother because I felt she was being mean to him. What did it have to do with me? I don't know. But she pushed my button for him because I thought he didn't have the guts to tell her off. So I thought he needed my help. So I proceeded to launch into my speech. And somehow, I don't know to this day, God rest his soul up there, how he found out that I gave a motivational speech to his mother. I'm being very kind to my past when I say motivational speech. At probably the tender age of eight or nine years old. I don't know how I knew it all back then. I was brilliant. But I knew everything at nine and ten years old. My dad found out and I came home. And Brother Foster, the Marine came out. The drill instructor, the belt, the voice at umpteen decibels that I could have heard much easier if he would have whispered. But this generation told me this, Brother Blair. You go back across the street and you apologize to his mother. And so I'm young. I don't want to get beat again, so I say, okay. <laughs> I was still hurting, grimacing with every step. So I just think I'm going to walk out down by his, David's mom's house and just jet around the corner. So I walk out of my house and I wa start walking towards David's house, cross the street over one house. And I got to David's yard. And I looked back at my yard. And Mike, you know what I saw on the front lawn? Was a dad like this. I might need a plan B. I might actually have to do it. But when I left my house, that was not my intention. So I knocked on David's house. And I apologized to his mom. But that's the generation, Brother Foster, I grew up in. Can I tell you one more PTSD story, and then I'll actually try to get on with my religious message? We're sitting at the dinner table eating. And I wanted, funny about, I should preach this on Father's Day, but I wanted the last taco. And my dad wanted it. I'll fast forward the story, then I'll come back. I lost, but let me come back to how I lost. 
I remember very vividly, he was at the end of the table and I was sitting on his right. I was right here and he was right-handed. I don't remember the dialogue. I just remember the... And I remember what it felt like to me. Boop. Pop, are you laughing? But Brother Jim, that's the generation I grew up in. I don't care how hungry I was, I would never eat the last taco the rest of my life. I grew up under the greatest generation. But although we laugh and it's humorous, there was something about that generation that got a hold of something that we didn't get a hold of. I'm preaching about the lost past. My friend, I'm here to tell you that there's something about the past that we better be careful that we do not lose. In this 21st century generation in which we live and all that's available to us, there was something about the greatest generation that they knew how to work and their work ethics and their commitment to the house of God and their commitment to their word and their commitment to their family and their commitment to their marriage that we can make fun and laugh all we want. But there's something that they learned that we did not learn. And I'm afraid that it's not getting passed on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. My opinion is it's getting watered down as we begin to move deeper into the 21st century. What are you talking about? I'm preaching about the lost past. And now let me catch up with you in church. If we're not careful, we're going to think the things of the old days are irrelevant and they are dinosaurs and they're gone out. I'm here to tell you, my friend, as an apostolic preacher of the gospel, a Pentecostal ordained minister that no, we do need the past. We do need guardrails. We do need fences. We do need the voice that say, thus saith the word of God unto thee. Those things are not right. This is the word of God. Come on, somebody. We need a revelation of what they had years ago that they might have been before their time. Talking about the lost past. As a church, we try very hard not to allow the world's culture to influence the culture of the church. The challenge is this, my friend, that we live in the world. We work in the world our whole lives. A steady diet of ungodliness, of unrighteousness, with ungodly influences 24-7. We are bombarded. There is a barrage of influences that come from work, that come from friends, that come from the media, that come from TV, movies, so society, athletes, movie stars, politician, and the list goes on and on. But I want you to know something, my friend, that the ongoing influences often glamorize evil over good, pervert the pure, and highlight the darkness. That's the society that we're living in. Young people, let me talk to you. Mom and dad, let me talk to you. Visitor, let me talk to you. And if you're streaming online, we've got to be be careful that we don't drift too far from the word of God and say that's our culture and that's accepted and that's what everybody thinks and everybody believes. No, what about what thus saith the word of God? I'm not an old fogey, my friend, but I want to tell you something. There's something about the greatest generation that knew how to get serious with God, that knew how to pray all night, that knew how to come to church during revival, that knew how to dress holy, that knew... Mm. With an ongoing barrage of influences... If you're not careful, you're going to be like the frog in the pan where the heat is slowly being turned up. And what becomes commonplace on TV or on social media or on the platform of a presidential stage, my friend, begins to trump the word of God. I'm here to push back and say, come on, apostolic Pentecostals. We need to get our feet planted on the rock and say, no matter what happens in the 21st century, I'm still going to dress holy. I'm still going to be holy. I'm still going to put God first. The church is the most important thing going on in my life. Why? Because I got to make sure that I don't lose the past. 
glamorize evil over good. I'm only 61 years old, Brother Tony, but I remember back in grade school when what was kind of parallel, the Word of God was commonplace. And the more perverted the world gets, the more darker it becomes, the more vile people become. They drift further and further and further away from the Word of God. And if we're not careful, we could wake up one day, Anthony, and think, hey, look, the word world is here, and the Word of God is here, and there's a, a vast difference between them. Hey, maybe the Word of God is not so important as what the world thinks. No, my friend, I'm here to tell you, I've said it before, and I'll preach it to the day I die. The church doesn't move. The Word of God doesn't move. What moves is society and social media and athletes, and politicians, and cultures, and acceptance, and absolutes, all of those get washed away. Here's the problem with no absolutes. If you have no absolutes, you have no line in the sand, then I ask you this morning, what is sin? When there's no absolutes, there's no law, it becomes lawless. And so we've got to be careful that we restore what I would call, Brother Foster, the lost past. Those of you that were raised in church like myself, we know what our parents did. We know how they served God. We know how they believed in God and submitted to the Word of God. And at none of our dinner tables did we have the church or the ministry for dinner thrash them in front of the kids because the mom and dads were upset because something didn't go right. No, that my dad would have... You don't talk like that about the church, son. But now we live in a generation where we're afraid to stand up and do what's right. In some of our cases, even in our own homes, where the inmates, or I mean the kids, run the house. Come on, be a parent. Be an apostolic parent. We don't talk like that. We don't speak like that. We don't dress like that. We don't listen to that kind of music. We don't bring that stuff in our house. Why? This is the citadel. It's a holy house of God. And if we don't train them, they'll never find their way back to the real truth and relationship with God. It takes a parent that's going to stand up. Hey, right now I'm not your friend. I'm your dad. And I said no because the word of God enforces I say no. And someday you'll understand and someday you might appreciate it. But for today, I'm in charge of this house. I knew in my house I had no say so. I didn't pay for nothing, but I didn't get a voice in anything. Kind of a little opposite now. I don't have a say-so in my house, but I pay for everything. Funny how things change. Whoops, did I say that? I was just thinking it. Did it slip out? Preaching about the lost past, Isaiah chapter 5 says, Woe to them that call evil good. And good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their, watch me now, own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Wow, Isaiah, you were smart. How did you know to pin those words as a warning, a prophetic word to God's people? You see, with a steady stream into our homes, it has a way of eroding our godly principles, therefore making us less godly over time. Each of us, every home, every dad, every mom, every young adult must stand against the barrage of godless living. Remember, my friend, I'm telling you, week after week, month after month, the church always wins. The church always wins. The church is never defeated. The kingdom of darkness will not prevail against the church in the end. We must not lose the past of our apostolic heritage, my friend. That's what kept the church holy. That's what kept us powerful. That's what sets us apart. Why? Because we have the apostolic power of the Spirit of God inside of us. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall do these things. What? In the name of Jesus, under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Ghost, not with pretty words, not with a grand sermon, but with the Spirit of God living inside of me, which makes me allow it to live in my home, in my marriage, in my kids. In no! Yes, the preaching still saves lives. And the word of God is still true. Don't despise our holiness ways. On the contrary, separation from the world is what the Apostle Paul preached at the early church. He preached in the Pauline epistles. The lost past of holiness, maybe. The lost past of righteousness, maybe. The lost past of the things of God are being jeopardized in the 21st century. And I'm here to blow the trumpet and sound the horn on the watchman on the wall today. Don't be fooled by our culture. They call evil good. If you're ever in doubt, you ever wonder, if you're ever curious, you have to size up the life to which we live against this. What does this say? Why is that important? Because the writer says, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. It doesn't wither. It doesn't fade. It doesn't become old school. It doesn't become extinct. No, it's the profound prophetic word of God. And if this thing is going to stand, Brother Tony, after you and I are long gone, then I'm basing my life on this. I'm basing my decisions on this. I'm, I'm running th through the grid of everything that the world is saying and what's happening in society. And I take comfort that I can come on a Sunday morning and know what? I'm in the house of an apostolic believers. I'm in the house of apostolic people of God. And they believe what we believe. And we're doing our best to stay holy. We're doing our best to stay pure. We're doing our best to stay righteousness. And I refuse to be desensitized by the world's society of what they think is right. We don't measure our holiness by today's standards. We measure our holiness by the Word of God. The Word of God never changes, but the world is constantly evolving and moving. It's fluid. And when I say holiness, I'm talking to holiness on the inside and out. I'm talking about pure thoughts. I'm talking about pure actions. I'm talking about kindness. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about not showing everything you own. Back in the day, they used to preach it like this. Not letting everything hang out that you own. Cover up your private parts. Sorry, sorry, here we go. Yeah. Well, Foster, I sat at the mall yesterday being tortured because my wife wanted to go in, so I sat outside, sat in the shade, and I was shocked at all the impurity walking around me. You can't help it to God, I'm not lusting, but they, everything's, I'll just close my, how do I know when my wife gets here? And I feel like the Lord say, oh, you'll know. <laughs> well played, Lord, well played. My point is commonplace. And my wife dressed holy, and I didn't go in the mall, but I bet you she was the most holy person there. I rolled the clock back years ago. And she would have fit in and you wouldn't even be able to tell if she was a Christian by the way she dressed. That's the lost past. I'm not saying you have to be frumpy. You can be cute. You can be ugly too. It's up to you. But you don't have to dress ugly. Was it Winston Churchill? I'm off script now. I feel like a former politician getting off script. Winston Churchill, a lady came up to him and said he was a drunk, berating him and a barrage of demeaning things. And she says, tomorrow, you're a drunk. And he says to her, according to history, yeah, but tomorrow I'll wake up a drunk 
and you'll still wake up er, uh, ugly. <laughs> End quote, Winston Churchill. So anyway, back to frumpy and being cute. My point is, God's coming for a church. We say spot or wrinkle, King James language. I'm going to say a church. Let me bring it up to the 21st century vernacular phraseology. I'm going to say a church that has separated themselves from the world. That looks godly. Holy. For some of you ladies, understand? Looks cute. Okay? He's coming back for a bride. Not a guy. Not a groom. Not a muscle man. A bride. That has separated herself from the world. How do you separate yourself from the world? When I don't engage in the things that the world calls acceptance, when I know the Word of God says no. There's some exclusions in the Word of God. There's very little, if any, exclusions in the world. Do what you want, live what you want, say what you want, dress what you want, love what you want, go what you want, yada, yada, yada. But the Word of God says, no, I've got some boundaries here, and I've got some absolute. And I'm doing that, why? To please God. Am I in bondage? No. Am I shackled? No. Am I locked up in a prison? No. I have a wonderful life. I've been blessed. I'm living my life unto God. God's pleased with me. God's given me provisions. God, mm, God God's giving me the overflow. What are you doing? I do this because I love God. It pleases Him. And in return, He blesses and He anoints and He heals. And He. Come on, somebody. You got to hear me. You got to get this. It's the lost past that we need to make sure that we don't lose. Ah. Church, hear me this morning. Talking about the lost past. I can preach it like Grandpa. But I don't have to look like I still live in the 30s. I don't have to look like I'm stuck in the 60s, Brother Foster. Because there are opportunities for me to love and serve God and feel good about the life I'm living. Again, I'm not in bondage. I don't need to be set free. I am free indeed because the Bible says in John that he that the Son is set free. Free from what? Free from sin, free from darkness, free from turmoil, free from depression, free from anxiety, free from anger, free. And the, wor the, the world can't set us free from that. All they can do is have a supplement that medicates it and pushes it back, but it never goes away. It never fixes it. There's substitute, there's plans, there's prescriptions, there's courses, there's appointments, and all that could be necessary for some people. But I'm telling you, my friend, what we need is a fresh anointing of revival to blow through this world and to to blow through America and to blow through this church. Why? Because I'm afraid if we're not careful, Brother Foster, we're going to lose the value and the power of the loss that was church was birthed out of. 1 Samuel chapter 10 says, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if a man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. He has hid himself amongst the stuff. They're asking God, is he coming? Is he here? In several translations, they translated it into, he has hid himself amongst the vessels. Another translation, he hid himself amongst the baggage. The King James says he hid himself amongst, they use the word stuff, S-T-U-F-F. -F. There is a concern of every pastor, and that is that we don't get lost in the stuff. You must make sure that you don't lose your anointing among the stuff. You need to make sure that you don't lose your calling 
among the stuff. You need to make sure that you don't lose your giving among the stuff. You need to make sure that you don't lose the love of the kingdom of God amongst the stuff. Don't lose your holiness amongst the stuff. So maybe in the context of the message, the question could easily come to mind, Brother Allen, what is the stuff? What is the stuff? You see, there are some that are among us here that even streaming online that you're not where you need to be with God because you got lost in the stuff during the pandemic. You've not rebounded. You've not reset. You've not rebooted because of the stuff that's in your life. It's an obstruction. It's a hurdle. It's an obstacle. And you can't get past the stuff where God wants to reanoint you. What is the stuff? Here's the stuff. Here's the stuff right here. The stuff is anything in your life that puts space between you and God. You need me to qualify it? There, I boxed it in for you. I drew some lines in the sand. Is the stuff in your life putting space between you and God? And this is what I know. I've pastored long enough. Stuff unattended becomes sin. Stuff left to itself morphs into sin. And I'm preaching to a church that I love dearly. I've spent over one-third of my life preaching in this church. And I got to make sure that when God comes back, that we aren't lost in the stuff. He returns for the church. The Bible says, I've got to give an account for your soul. I didn't ask for that. I didn't sign up for that. That's what the Bible says. I don't know exactly, Brother Blair, how that dialogue goes. I don't know the setting exactly. I'm not that smart. But I know I have to give an answer. And I'm doing everything I can up on earth, Brother Tony, Brother Foster, Brother Jim, that when they ask about you or you, if they ask about any of us, that my answer cannot be, they got lost in the stuff, Lord. They got lost in the stuff, and the stuff became sin. And I tried, God, I tried. I've been burdened. You know my message I've been preaching. Starting, a, what, a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday. <laughs> There's some of you here that are even online, but you're here in person. That you need to push back the stuff. Let me help you. Okay. If you prioritize and reorganize the stuff, it would probably be okay in your life. But when it puts space between you and God, that stuff will become sin if it's not dealt with. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now to somebody. But there's a space of grace that God is going to let us reorganize the stuff. At the end of the day, I may still have, Brother Robert, my stuff. Jared, come here. 
Turner boys again. Come here. Okay. Since he's Did the stagehand send you in from the theater? We're only on act two. Come on, come on. Are there any more Turner boys in the house before I get? Come on, go get your brother. Go get your brother. I'm going to have to reorganize my stuff now. All right. Is the other little Turner boy, he's not going to be running in? He's next door? Okay. Come on, hey, hey. I'm not going to forget you like Brother Blair did last week. Don't you, don't you worry about that. Pastors don't do that. i got to live with you. He's leaving in a couple weeks. I'm sorry, Brother Blair. Scratch that from the, the whatever. Okay. Hang on. You kind of messed me up, but hang on. I'm experienced. I'll bounce back. Okay. The three of you come with me. Just kind of get in a row here. Okay? That's good. That's good. Andrew. Okay, right here. Come out in the middle here. Come on. I'm almost done. Come on. Yeah, yeah, right here in there. Okay. 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 Uh, just for the record, okay. We're gonna you're you're gonna be Jesus. Are you, gonna, are you a good Jesus? Okay. No, I didn't notice I didn't pick your brothers, I picked you. I need a Jesus. Okay, Jesus won't move. It's fine. Okay, it's okay. Here's the thing, okay? Here's my life before the pandemic. I got a lot of stuff. Stuff isn't bad. But the problem of the lost past is when my stuff becomes between me and God. Stuff could be anything. And my stuff, and I, oh, I got, I got stuff, man. I'm good, I'm good. The problem is, where is God positioned in my stuff? And here's what I think. Here's what I think. Watch this. My stuff doesn't move. It's me that's moving. It's, it's my opinion about my stuff that makes it move. So maybe before the pandemic, all this was in my life. But watch this. I was here, and this was my stuff. And there was Jesus. But if you're not careful, some of you are living back here. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the honest, I'm not just making this up. God gave me this, and I'm speaking to some of you right now. Not cracking jokes, not doing a skit. I'm speaking to your soul right now. Some of you have been living like this. And I got all my stuff, and it's good stuff. But the problem is, I can't hardly get to Jesus anymore. And when Jesus talks, it's got to wade through all my stuff. And by the time it makes it, by the time it makes it to me, there's not even a voice left because it fell on my stuff. God's saying, I've been trying to call you. I've been trying to re-anoint you. I've been trying to bless you. Really? I didn't hear you, God. That's because you got all your stuff. I like you guys. You're good stuff. Okay? Your stuff's pretty good. You're good. I like you. But to stay in my life, you can't get between me and God. I like all of you. I love you. My life would be boring without my stuff. But I cannot bring an obstruction here. Your stuff could be way more than this, Fernando. It doesn't matter. So here's my question as I kind of wrap up. Okay? Right now, I'm you, okay? I'm you. I'm representing you. God, stuff. So I'm going to do, it's like a little game show. Spread out a little bit, guys. Just spread out. Put a couple feet between you. 
Okay, as I walk by them, you decide, you know what, that's where I am. Okay, maybe you're right here. I'm right there. Okay, I got one stuff between God and I. How many are you living here? I kind of got it figured out. I'm not overwhelmed. I just got to rearrange this one item. Good for you. But for some, I need to keep walking. Like on the price is right, when do you tell me to stop? Stop. Okay. Pre-pandemic, sold out for God. Woo-hoo. I don't, woo-hoo, Jesus. Woo. There you go. Woo-hoo, Jesus, yeah. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Woo-hoo, Jesus. Pandemic, no church. Come on, guys. Woo, surround me. Huddle all around me. Oh, I got my stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's okay. Hand me the remote. I'll watch him on Sunday. Oh, Internet's down. Oh, well, wasn't the will of God. <laughs> my stuff, my stuff. Where are you? Line back up. Okay. In your mind, tell me when to stop. Come on, be honest with yourself. Quit lying to you and God. Tell me when to stop in your mind. Come on. One more lap and we're calling it quits. Tell me when to stop. Now? Keep going? Okay. How about now? How about now? Come on, think it through. Be honest with God. Now, maybe you're like, I'm almost there, but oh, I know I really need to go like this. And I want to. You see, I'm not preaching against stuff. Get all you can get. I don't care. Have as much fun as you want. I don't care. Pack your life with stuff. I don't care. But between this stuff and this God can be nothing but me and my family. Pack it in. Buy what you want. Go where you want to go. Climb whatever you want to climb. But here to here is holy sacred ground. And watch me now. i got to quit. But if I keep this holy and I keep this sacred, God will honor me, watch me, with more stuff. Because I know how to balance and juggle. And I know how to give God glory. I know how to live in the overflow because my stuff will never get between God and I. So he keeps pouring out me a blessing more than I can contain because I know how to manage my stuff. Come on. Somebody stand. Thanks, guys. Let me pray for us. I want you to know this morning, my heart is heavy. I tried to make it a little lighthearted, but I'm grieving. And I'm scared for some of you. I'm going to be perfectly honest. See, God already knows this, so I don't mind telling you. I'm afraid that some of you may not make it. Some are serving God with a limp. You're limping along. Oh, I still serve God. Yeah, I'm here. I don't serve like I used to serve. No, you don't. You stroll in with a half-hearted attitude. I'm at church. Give me a break. You're serving God with a limp. You know why? Because you still have stuff between you and God. When you get rid of that stuff, there's no obstacle, there's no barrier, there's no obstruction, and you come in 100% full throttle like a wrecking ball. But I'm preaching to the church, okay? I'm preaching to the church because this affects the church at large. If it affected one person, I would just pull you aside and preach you the message. I don't need to preach a message to the whole church that affects a couple people, Brother Foster. I don't pastor that way. Pull you aside, go out to the woodshed, boom, we're done. I preach a great message on Sunday. But when it affects the constituent, 
I have to preach to the body. I'm asking us to get it right this week. Let's get it right this week. You go home, either you get rid of some stuff or you rearrange it. I'm going to open the altars in a minute. There's no more stickers up here. Let's be mindful. Let's be respectful, but bring your mask up here. There's no more stickers. I got a host of ministerial staff that will anoint you with oil to help bless you to rearrange your stuff. I'm going to pray, and if you want prayer, come on up. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we preach the prophetic word. I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, the intuitiveness to rearrange or delete stuff that we're not hiding amongst it. We're not cowering down, God, from our calling and our anointing, our ministry, our energy. I anoint the church of the living God that I pastor here, Lord, that we will rise up to the clarion call of a voice from a man of God today and that we would be like the greatest generation, that we will not lose the past. We will not embrace the world but we would rather embrace the things of God and the kingdom of God in this life that you've given us. Pour out a blessing upon us we cannot contain. Let us live in the overflow, God, but I anoint the ears and the hearts of those online and those in person. I bless them in the name of Jesus. These things are so. I open the altars to you. You want prayer? You want anointing? Come on, get out from behind your stuff. Let's rearrange. Let's delete some things. Let's draw close to God. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.